You're listening to Unshackled Leadership, a lantern for black women. This podcast is produced to help black women in leadership become more centered by silencing their inner critic and creating strategies to become more confident and innovative. I'm your host, ICF Certified Executive Leadership Coach, Joya Jefferson-Nuri. I am so happy that you are joining me again for Unshackled Leadership. This is episode seven, and I am so glad to be here. This, just to let you know, we're going to do eight episodes for this season, take August off to record great new shows, and we'll be back in September with a whole new season that'll go much longer than eight shows. But this is our debut, and this is where we wanted to start. So, I get a lot of questions from people about what I do, Black women in leadership, why I do Black women in leadership, why it's so special about Black women in leadership. And I get particular questions from Black women who are either aspiring to the leadership position, owning their own businesses, etc. So I decided to dedicate this entire show to answering your questions. So we put out a call on LinkedIn and on Facebook. And I thank you so very much for taking the time to fill out the forms and send us your questions. I also want to thank my friends who sent me text messages or emails and responded to my newsletter. Thank you for the time you invested. So I'm going to divide this program into four different sections. The first section is going to be questions you sent me about your day-to-day life as a Black woman in the office. The second section is going to be racism and microaggressions. The third sections, in the third section, we are going to address getting past all of those fears and limitations you have when you're in that position and what you personally can do to get past that so you can achieve your own greatness. And in the final segment, we're going to talk about executive leadership coaching. I get lots of questions like, How do I choose a coach? How do I know this is the right coach? Why do I need a coach? So let's get started. The first question I have about the day-to-day life is how do I say no to my boss? That's a great question because, you know, we're in our jobs, we're the subject matter experts, and we have a strategy, our team and I are working to do something, and the boss ask you to do something that is totally out of alignment to your plan. I'm assuming the person who sent this question, that's her situation. So let's just say that is her situation. The boss comes and says either to you in the hallway, over email, or in a meeting, something that is totally out of alignment with what you think is the best thing to do. The first thing to do is not get offended. This is my answer. The first thing to do is not get offended. That person is clearly the boss. The second thing to do is to sit and reply in writing, whether it came to you in writing or not, in writing, thanking them for their recommendation, thanking them for what their vision is, and explaining to them calmly how that would obstruct, delay, whatever it is, the existing plan. Then send it. You get to send a note that is devoid of any being pissed off, offended, 
who does he think he is? And he gets to marinate on your mature response. You also might want to say in your note, I would love to take this part of what you said, but this is why this other part doesn't work. You want to be mature in doing that. The next question I have about operating day to day is how do I stop operating in fear? Fear comes from an inner critic place, a childhood place where something went wrong, something altered your opinion of yourself, something that happened that you realized you're not safe in the world, or at least you perceived that you are not safe in the world. This fear is, we call it fear of failure. We call it, you know, imposter syndrome, but I believe those are just the results of your battle with your inner critic. Your inner critic constantly tells you what you can't achieve, and that is not a good idea. Don't say that out loud. And you can't be that because you're not this, and your mama wasn't that, so you can't be that. So you walk around all the time thinking that what you're doing is wrong, your ideas are not great, and you're eventually going to be fired, and you're going to be homeless, and you're going to live on the streets for the rest of your life. None of that is true. When a fear arises for you in your workplace, at home, or anywhere, ask that voice in your head, is that true? 99% of the time, it's not true. It's something your insecurities, your inner voice, your inner critic is telling you. So ask, is that true? And then the next question is, if it is true, is that the only truth? Can I change the scenario? Can I Google search the answer? Can I talk to a coach? Can I talk to a mentor? Is there a way for me to get around this thing that I'm so fearful of? But most of the things we are afraid of harken back to this doomsday tape that we play over and over again that started when we were children. So that's my recommendation, short recommendation for getting over your fear. And then the next question is, how do I assert myself in my work without looking like the, being the angry black woman? Generally, when women push back, we're called a bitch. White, black, Asian. When women push back, that's our label. When men push back, they're strong, assertive leader. So you're not going to avoid people's perceptions of you. You just have to make sure that's not the truth. When you're in a conversation with somebody, you're trying to criticize something, you're trying to bring something available around to people to see, make it available to them, you have to make sure you're not angry. You may be frustrated and you might want to like, I'm going to pop everybody in the face here. That's a joke, but that might be in your, in your mind. But quite possibly, if you take a deep breath, if you assess the situation, you say it calmly, you write it calmly. What they think of you is not your business. Really, it's not. You can't alter, change, or do anything that's going to change somebody's preconceived notion of what you are, what you're saying. You just state it clearly and be confident in yourself that you told your truth. Now, your truth doesn't have to have their hands on your hips, your double neck. 
It doesn't have to have that. But I don't think that's going to be you anyway. I mean, you're already in a leadership position. You're already on your way to the leadership position. So this whole angry black woman thing that people have slapped onto every black woman on earth who has a voice, that's not your business. You be you. Those are the three questions I had in this section. So now racism and microaggressions. The first question I think was really great. How do I make them understand that I know what I'm talking about? This is a universal problem for black women. You can't possibly be the authority in this, even though you went to Harvard Law School like everybody else. You can't possibly be the authority in this, even though you've been running this division for 10 years. We're going to have to run it past white man John to make sure you're doing it right. Or we're going to ask you 14 million questions that amount to, in your soul, Johnny, do you have your lunchbox? You're not a child. And the questions start to mount up and you start to feel that way. It's like, how come you're questioning me? How come my thing has to go through peer review and white guy Bob didn't have to have peer review? So how do you make sure they know that you know what you're talking about? It's not going to be different for you than it was for your ancestors. Black people have always had to be smarter, better prepared, and perform at a higher level to be considered average. It's unfair, it's downright stupid, but it persists. The image of black people being performance oriented has escaped the psyche, the minds of millions of people around the world. Despite evidence to the contrary, centuries of evidence to the contrary. So it goes once again into the, I have to work harder. I have to have more imperial evidence that I can do this. And you don't want to be the angry black woman and go, God damn it. Not good. Not a good look. So how do you make them understand? You know what you're talking about? Know what you're talking about and have proof that you know what you're talking about. And if the questioning persists, you do this methodology that I was taught by a coach years ago. And this is how it goes. I'm hearing what you're saying. I'm hearing what you're questioning. But in my mind, the story I'm telling myself is, this is racist. Or this is to demean me. Or this is to undermine my authority. That's the story I'm making up in my mind. So can you please explain your motivation for doing it so I have a clear understanding of why you keep doing this? Generally shuts people up. Generally they go into apologies about I'm not a racist. Okay. At least you spoke up. At least you found a place in the conversation to enter where you can get clarity. It's really all you're asking for is clarity and what's clear 
And what do I need to do different? And what perceptions do you need to change? At least it's a conversation. The next question I have about black from black women about racism and marginalization, microaggressions, is the code switching. That I'll just read the question. She asks, she states, I am very upset about the code switching I have to do at work. I find that I am losing myself as a black person for them and then switching on black when I leave the office. How do I balance needing to fit in and being my authentic self? Excellent, excellent question. Code switching. More than likely, you don't have to do that huge a code switch. You want to be in that industry. You've aspired to this job. You want to be that leader, or you want to go off and be the entrepreneur over here. So the work ethic, the tenacity, the styling of yourself all align with that goal because you know you live in this culture, okay? The code switching generally happens is that we get silent about being Black, I had a situation with a very dear white girlfriend of mine who did something that I thought was racist and triggered me. I mean, I was triggered. I've known this woman 20 years. First time it ever happened. I realized in marinating on it and talking to her, I never, ever told her I was black. I always presented to her like I'm just another woman in the world. And I had to write her a letter to say, let me introduce myself to you. I'm a black woman. I'm always a black woman. I'm never just a woman. I'm a black woman. That level of clarity from me helped our relationship immensely. In your workspace, if there's a conversation going on and you get to interject something that says you're black, do that. If you get to decorate your office in a way that reflects that you are a black woman, please do that. Don't let it all this code switching to fit in, do not let them say, I don't think of you as a black person. Just make sure that doesn't happen because they should always know that your wisdom comes from all that you are and most of what you are is black. How, next question is, how do I prepare for the discrimination I will face in my new job? Well, to you, I would say, don't see a boogeyman in every corner. There's not a boogeyman in every corner. Don't assume that what the person is saying to you or that action is racist, have a conversation. Just like I said I had with my friend. I could have just cut that friendship off and blocked her calls and never talked to her again, but I wanted to have the conversation. It's important for us as Black women who are in positions of leadership, in positions to influence anything that we speak up. But there's no boogeyman in every closet. And a lot of the things you perceive as racist is so unintentional because the people around you have not been trained to think before they talk. And they have assumptions about things that they never questioned. They weren't taught to question these things, these assumptions. They never thought that they're being pushy, 
having all the answers, belittling you. I had a white woman ask me, have you ever had sushi? Do you know what it is? What? So I, I said, yes. I just simply said, yes. I didn't go, what? I didn't go the way I would, my soul wanted to go. I just had on my big girl panties and I just didn't go there. So a lot of the things you perceive as discrimination, perceive as racist, could just be a matter of ignorance that needs a little tweaking from you. It's a lot of work. I know, it's a lot of work. You just want to go to work and do your job. Just all you want to do, just do your job. But you have a responsibility to do that tweaking. You must do it. Exclusion. The next couple of questions are about exclusion. First question is, I'm on the senior leadership team, but I am never invited. I'm not invited to all of the senior leadership meetings. You have to call that right away. Whoever organizes the meeting, you have to say, why am I not in that meeting? It's exhausting, but you have to ask. You have to hold them accountable for decisions. You cannot just go shrink in the, in the closet. Oh, maybe I'll lose my job. Maybe they'll, they'll see me as difficult. Maybe all of these things, maybe all those things would happen. Maybe all those things would happen if you don't. But what will happen is you will start shrinking in the closet not to ask why you're not in that meeting. And then your soul will start to shrink. You'll stop seeing yourself as a leader. You, have, you will take all of these slights and internalize them and you will become smaller. That is more important than keeping this particular job because you can go get another one or you can go start a business or you might gain respect. They might be a little hesitant about leaving you out of the next meeting. Because you spoke up for yourself. You spoke up for yourself. You spoke up for all black women. You spoke up for all women who get marginalized. So please speak up. The last question in this section of racism and marginalization and discrimination is, my company is developing inclusion policies to shape their DEI work, yet there are no black people on those committees. What should I do? Get yourself placed on those committees. Don't just say black people have to be on those committees. Get yourself on those committees. And please just be aware of what might be happening in there and speak up, gently speak up. And you also want to be a part of the approval process for the things that are on that committee. So if get yourself a seat, and if they're going to have another seat, get a black man on there. So there's a black man and a black woman. And maybe from different parts of the company, you're here in, in this specter or sector, and then maybe he's from another sector and you come in. Now, granted, there's only going to be two of you now, okay? And if you have anybody in the company who's Latinx, who's not represented in that committee, get on that committee. Challenge them to talk about diversity and inclusion with help being diverse and inclusive. It's a lot of work. I keep going back to there. It's a lot of work, but you have to do it. Our last section here is coaching. 
a lot of questions about coaching. And here, let's go through them. What should I expect from leadership coaching? My answer is one word, clarity. By working with a trained coach, you will get clarity about your goals. You'll get clarity about the strategy to achieve them. You'll get clarity about being the ATM machine for your family, if that's your case. But you'll get clear about all the things that ruminate in your head. Now, a lot of you are going to say, I have good girlfriends who do that. We all have good girlfriends who we love and trust. And they trust you. But rarely is your good girlfriend a trained coach. Your good girlfriend can give you advice from her body of knowledge. She can give you advice based on how much she knows you and she loves you. And that is very valuable. But a coach is trained to ask a series of powerful questions. Your girlfriend may not know, nor is she going to make you dig down past those tears. There are a lot of times in my coaching sessions, my clients break into tears. And I allow that to unfold. But then I have questions that will take you down past those tears. Maybe to a new set of tears, maybe to clarity. But ultimately, you're going to get to clarity. Next question. What would, I thought this was so funny. What would make you not want to work with me? So a a person wants to know what would make a coach not want to work with them. Obviously I can't speak for any other coaches, but me, but I would say the thing, the things that would make me not want to work with you is that you perpetually lie to me. You paint stories and scenarios that are not the truth because you're hiding the pain around them. We can't get anything done and you don't have the bravery to get it done. So I would tell you, come back when you want to do the work. And the la- the next thing would be your unwillingness to accept responsibility for what's happening in your life. All kinds of things are swirling around us. The boss doesn't like you. You don't like your coworkers. Your husband's leaving. I don't care. Whole bunch of things. But unless you are willing to say, this is my responsibility in this. And since I'm the only one who can change in this, I can't change him or her. I'm the only one who can change me. You have to be willing to do the work. If you always want to deflect it out to somebody else's problem, you and I may not be able to work together because I want cold honesty. Because if you had the power to mess it up, you have the power to make it better. It's all your power. And that's what you get out of coaching, finding your power and being able to wield it around every aspect of your life. The next question is, how do I find out, find a coach that aligns with my values? Well, you should know your coach's values in several different ways. One, don't get a coach you haven't gone to see their website, their LinkedIn page, or if you have friends, you haven't asked them, asked about that. Secondly, you should never take a coach who's not going to give you a free consultation. A free consultation of 30 minutes or 45 minutes. These people who want to do 10-minute consultations, go the other way. 15-minute consultations, go the other way. Because this is way too important 
for you to have a 10 minute look at somebody you're about to invest your life in and your dollars. So you really have to have somebody who is with you and you get to know them. In that conversation, that 30 to 45 minute conversation, maybe even an hour if you go that long, it becomes that intriguing. You should ask them about values. You should ask them about how they coach. You should ask them, this is my situation. How would you handle that? You get that. And in that conversation, you pick the person who resonates with you. The person who you're like, oh, I could be really comfortable. I could be honest with this person and I should be, I could be able to accept, I would be willing to accept my responsibilities and grow from there. Next question is, how can a coach support me? Your, your coach is your accountability partner. Your coach asks you to wind down deeply into your psyche and into your life experiences and find out what has gone wrong, what's going wrong, and helps you come up with a strategy. Your coach is not going to tell you what's going wrong. Your coach is not going to build that strategy. Your coach is going to ask you a lot of questions. Have you considered? How does this resonate with you? My intuition is telling me, what do you think about that? And then you come to your own conclusions. So out of a session, I give homework. So you said in the session, you want this, this, and the other. So by next week, what are we going to do? Well, what do you think about doing this, this, and this? Do you think we can get that done by next session? And if they say no, we keep working. If they say yes, that's the homework. And the next week we come back and we go over what you want to talk about and we go over the homework. You do the homework if you want. You do the homework. It's up to you to do the homework. Don't do the homework because your coach says it's due next week. Your coach is not your teacher. Your coach is not your teacher. So the next next question I have is, suppose all I find is my weaknesses in coaching. It's a really good question. You are definitely going to find your weaknesses in coaching, but you will also find your strengths. And you're going to lean into those strengths. Your weaknesses more than likely are created by two things. Your inner critic who keeps telling you what you can't do, or you need more training. You need more experience. You need to sit down with people who are doing exactly what you want to do and learn how they got there. If you try to do something that you don't have the training for and you don't have the ability to do yet, then those are your weaknesses and you will fail. Remember I said the word yet because everything you do is a matter of adding on to your already intelligent, worthy self, the knowledge you need to get to the next step. Next question is, why did I become a coach? I became a coach because I got called to it. And I think that everything I've ever done in my life leads me to having the wisdom, the knowledge, and the intuition to do this and the, and the wisdom to know what I don't know um, has led me to this. And why do I only coach black women? I don't know. (laughs) No idea. They keep coming. 
My first executive coaching client was a black woman, a series of black women who told their friends, 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 who told their friends. And then I looked up and I realized I've only coached men in public speaking, but not in executive leadership coaching. So I decided to surrender. So obviously this is what God wants me to do. I love it. I love the women I meet. I love the different personalities. You know, we just come in all kinds of things and shades and nuances. And I just love it. I love every client I've ever worked with because I grow as much as they grow in the sessions. So how would you know progress is the last question I have in this section. How do you measure progress? You'll know it. You will know it. You'll know it before your coach knows it because you'll feel differently. It's about what you'll feel. You'll feel differently about yourself. You will feel braver. You will feel more confident in your skin. You will slide around in this world with far more assuredness after either that single session or the block of sessions you purchase. You will be different. And if you're not feeling progress, you have to talk to your coach. You have to hold your coach accountable to get you there. Obviously, the coach is not asking you the right questions. The coach isn't isn't pushing you hard enough to get to that place. It's a two-way street. So you'll know when you've made the progress. You'll know it in your soul, and you will know it in your body. I want to thank everybody for listening and everybody for sending in their questions for this show. This has been a lot of fun. A lot of fun. And if you have any more questions, you can always hit me up on LinkedIn. Hit me up on Facebook. You can send it um, a note to me at In the Public Eye Communications. You just go to the website, go to you know Google and look up In the Public Eye Communications. There's a way to talk to me there. The information is in the, in the, where is it? It's everywhere. You can just get it everywhere. So I want to thank you again for being a part of Unshackled Leadership, Atlanta for Black Women. And I will see you in our next show, our last show, which a wonderful show where I interview Marita Golden, a great award-winning author who has a new book called The New Black Woman. It's a great read. So have fun. Talk to you soon. Thank you for joining me here for this episode of Unshackled Leadership, a lantern for black women. I hope you learned something here that will empower you. Now, if you want to reach me for individual coaching, you can find me on LinkedIn or at my website in the public eye communications. And I invite you to subscribe to us. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, or on YouTube. And please leave a comment. I would love to hear from you. I'm Joya Jefferson Nuri. I'm an ICF certified executive leadership coach. Thanks for joining me.